Okay, I speak in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please sit down. Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. So the verses from 18 will be our focus for this morning. So 10 years ago, in October 2012, Malala Yousafzai, a young girl living in Pakistan, was shot in the head and nearly killed by the Taliban for daring to speak out about the need and the right for girls to have an education. She had attended the school founded by her father and despite death threats against her, had continued to campaign until she was shot. And when that had happened, she was brought to Britain for specialised medical treatment and continued her schooling here in Birmingham. And I'm sure most of you will recall the media reports of the horrific injuries that she sustained. But against all the odds, Malala made a good recovery from those injuries. And she went on to speak at the United Nations on her 16th birthday and to receive the Nobel Prize for Peace before the age of 18. And more recently, she has co-founded the Malala Fund to invest in education for girls in Lebanon, Pakistan, Jordan, Kenya and Nigeria. Malala's belief in the value of girls and women and in their need for education to enhance not only their own lives but the lives of their families and communities has struck a chord with many people throughout the world. In today's Gospel reading, we see Jesus return to his own hometown of Nazareth where he has been brought up by Joseph and Mary. Indeed, the reading refers to him, doesn't it, as Joseph's son, the local boy whom everyone knows about and whom there seems nothing at all special or unusual. Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath as usual, just like any religious Jew, and was given the scroll of Isaiah to read from. And when he'd done so, He then sat down to teach. The Gospel writer tells how Jesus applied the scripture to his own time and his own place. And his hearers were astounded to hear a man whom they had known all his life speaking gracious words about God's desire for the least favoured in society to be the markers of the coming of God's kingdom. But once again, it's in the Hebrew scriptures that God's overturning 
of the order of the world is celebrated. Jesus read aloud how the good news is for those who are poor, how release is for captives, how recovery of sight is for those who are blind, how those who are oppressed are to be freed from their oppression, and how the jubilee year of release from debt is also to be proclaimed. All these things are markers of the arrival of the kingdom of God in that very place and at that very time. Malala was just a child in her hometown when she began her campaign. And Jesus was known in his hometown as the carpenter's son. And yet both were visionaries who challenged the powerful because both spoke of the need for those who are poor and marginalised to be empowered. The good news from Isaiah, which was read aloud by Jesus, who then applied it to his time and people, is not something Christians can pretend to have discovered for themselves. The brilliance of this piece of prophecy is that it applies to communities first and thereby to individuals. Malala has seen the need in communities for educated women, women who can manage their own business, their own destiny, and the health and well-being of their families. Release from debt and oppression is not an individual thing, though individuals benefit from it. But the whole community is improved in physical and mental health, well-being, opportunity, and so much more if there is a level of equality among individuals. The exhortation from Paul's letter to the Romans to encourage one another touches on this. So often Christians and the church have used scripture to diminish and undermine anyone who reads it differently. But Paul's message is that we worship the God who is both steadfast and an encourager, the God who says, you are my people, and I love you. It was the Hebrew custom to forgive debts every half century. <clears throat> God tips over our many changing tables and says, release captives, free the oppressed, and bring in the year of debt release. This God is revolutionary, and that is the flavour of both the Hebrew and the New Testament. And it seemed to me that what we heard in our readings is not so very different from our own current economic situation. 
uncertain national leadership and crisis in so many parts of the world. These things are hard to hear. We haven't lived up to God's expectations, but he's not giving up on his people. He's still there, offering his wisdom, encouragement and guidance. And where do we find that? Well, we find it in our Bibles, in our daily private devotions, through Bible study with others. And if we truly believe what the Bible tells us and follow it through, we can make a difference. How we honour God's teaching as individuals and subsequently react to God's word is what eventually makes community. And community is what God called us to be. A community of believers who have the faith and vision and courage to stay true to his teaching. And to be that community, not in isolation, but in the midst of the wider community. To be among those with other faiths and of no faith, those with plenty and those with little, and all those in between. It is perfectly possible to be in conversation about God with those of other faiths and none. For instance, last week, as chaplain to Gloucestershire Police Force, I was invited to take part in a service to honour those who have died in service. And I did that alongside a Muslim and a Jew. Our shared belief was in the word of God as creator. It was an opportunity for all to see that there can and must be unity. And over the last two weeks, I've taken three school harvest festivals in this community. The first for Linden infants here in church, and then one for the juniors um, in school. And last Tuesday, St. Paul's School held their service in church. All of the services were led by the children. But I was invited to do a welcome and an introduction. And so I told them how the Bible starts in Genesis with the words, in the beginning. In the beginning, God created. And the responsibility we were given to look after that creation. And my hope is that it helped them and the parents who attended to understand better why their harvest donations go to the food bank. The one thing I did insist on was that there was <coughs> a small display of the harvest goods for me to bless. I refuse to bless a pile of carrier bags. We all need to look and ponder 
at the wonder of God's provision, whether it's fresh from the earth or in a tin or in a packet. And I want to end by sharing some particularly good news with you. Um, I'm a foundation governor at St Paul's School, which obviously is a church school. And the, <clears throat> the foundation governors are appointed by the diocese and they have a special responsibility to see that the Christian ethos of the school is maintained throughout, not just in um, collective worship or assembly, as it used to be called. And every three to five years, in addition to the normal Ofsted inspection, Church of England schools get a church equivalent. It's called Siams. And St Paul's was inspected on the 3rd of October, and they now have the report back. I'm reluctant to share too much detail because um, the report only went to parents on Friday. Um, so I need to make sure that they've had a chance to, to look at it. But it, it's, it's in the public domain. But I can tell you that it couldn't have been any better. And so you can deduce for yourself what the inspector found um, when he went into school and inspected how that um, Christian theology um, is, is spread through the school. And the school's focus is based on Psalm 139, verse 14. It says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And that's how a small, inner-city, multicultural, multi-faith school lives out its Christian beliefs in a loving and harmonious environment. So over the last two weeks, 500 or so people who may not normally go to church have had the opportunity to hear from the Bible. So I encourage you to stay faithful to God's word, to be thankful that we live in a country where we can freely and openly use our Bibles without fear of retribution. And just as Jesus applied the scripture to his own time and his own place, then so must we. Amen.